Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Over the Bar podcast, your home for all things U.S. men's national team, U.S. soccer, all things Nats, all things Yanks. We got a lot to cover today. As always, I am your host, Noah, and I have with me my co-host, Sumer. Sumer, it is good to be back. Let me tell you that much. How are we doing? Good, sir. My fine, sir. How are we doing, Noah? Um, chilling here. A nice Monday. Really getting hot now outside. Uh, just starting to take advantage of things, you know, get out a little bit more. Summer brings the best out of everybody. You know, it just, it does. It definitely does. But, uh, but yeah, just kind of now, you know, focus a lot on the MLS, focus on some youth stuff. You know, the European season and friendlies is done, which we'll talk about, obviously. Um, and then, you know, when are these transfers going to start? Who's going to be the first one? You know, I'm, I'm a little curious about some of those. So uh, exciting times, but a lot of, you know, anticipation right now. Dude, I totally get that. I going through withdrawal on Twitter these days. You know, saw some pictures of Eunice Musa and Tyler Adams like living it up post game in the in the uh, in the El Salvador game, or no, maybe it was the Grenada game, but living it up there. And I'm, I'm missing the boys. I saw Luca Della Torre on vacation in his USMNT kit. Like we're going through through some serious serious withdrawal right now. Not gonna be able to see the boys in action for till September. Does anyone know what? Um... What Tim Way is up to? I want to know what he's doing right now. Wherever he is, I want to go. And we've seen all this content. I know where Anthony is, Eunice. I saw Christian went golfing with DJ Barbier. I forget how to say his name. Some random U.S. youth national team player. Um, I just think he's so funny. He's part of that, like, Luca Christian era. Um, But, no, yeah, the guys are having a lot of fun. You can see. Saw Weston in that uh, that charity match. Did you see that? Mm -hmm. Ronaldinho's charity match. All of the boys pulled out for that one. And Weston was there. Paolo Dybala was there. Vinicius Jr. Oh, let me tell you, Weston looked good playing next to Vinny. (laughs) Yo, Pogba was in Miami for a minute and had, like, a bunch going on. He also had that documentary, um, which he, like, had, like, a preview for, which Eunice and Weston were at that I saw. Um, I did not see that. Yeah, they were dressed up all dapper. It was on Paul Pogba's story and Eunice's as well. Hmm. Um, I don't know well, if you, any of the other guys were there. I assume you've you've heard the the rumors that um, Paul Pogba and Weston McKenney are going to be going to be club teammates next year. Of course, you know, getting getting that connection, building that connection. I mean, I don't know what Eunice is doing, going to Fiorentina and talking to these guys like this. You know, it seems a little bit weird, but but Weston, yeah, create that connection. I think it should be good. I think it should be good. There's there's already talk starting about, you know, who starts in that midfield between the, the three they've got, the, the Bentancors, the, um, or the should Bentancors we just send, and the Kennys and the Pogba's. I don't know yet. I, yeah. I don't know. I feel like we should just send everyone to Valencia. They seem to, they seem, <laughs> they seem, they seem to, to want to want a few guys. What are they? They were moving to three. It was Eunice, Tim, and who? Who was the third? Oh, I don't remember the third. Obviously they have Eunice and I know Tim Weah was a big one. It um, was a third. Was it? It wasn't Luca, was it? I don't. I haven't heard many rumors. No, I forget. I think he would slot into that team very nicely, but you know, Haji Wright to whole city. See that? I've seen Haji Wright almost everywhere, man. I, I don't yeah. put much stock in those, really. But we'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I think we should do a whole whole podcast, and, and maybe when when Manski gets back from uh from doing Street FC stuff, we'll do a whole podcast on on where we'd like guys to go and and where we think they might end up. I think yeah. For sure, for sure. There's a lot of movement. A lot of movement that might happen with guys we don't even expect. And also movement that can really dictate players, you know, careers. Like where does if Haji goes to whole city, like that that changes him a little bit. If mm-hmm. if if Chris Richards goes to Crystal Palace, I mean that doesn't change anything, but that validates a lot. Where's Luca going? Luca's moving somewhere. Is he moving to a top five league? That's a lot. It'll be really fascinating. And and PFOC? I've heard sorry. people talk to Dortmund. I've heard. Sorry, oh, sorry. Yeah. I just it's, like it's, it's nuts, man. I, I, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to the the crazy summer that's about to be U.S. transfers, and, and hopefully, it's going to give us something to something to really focus on while the boys are out of action. But I think because the boys just finished up their their last uh, last games before September, last games before we don't see them in action for a while, we've got two more U.S. MNT games before the World Cup in september i think it's it's it may make sense to kind of sit back and sit back and take stock of what this year has been so far what this club season has been so far and and 
kind of what we got from these two friendlies in terms of or these two friendlies and two nations league games in terms of stocks in terms of you know everything like that just kind of reevaluate before we before we get a nice little summer off totally agree i mean the you know this is going to be a hefty break now without without some u.s uh games at least so for sure so to recap you know obviously we had the two friendlies against morocco and uruguay different results different performances a, a three nothing win against morocco one one or sorry a nil nil draw against uruguay we've covered those in extent but we didn't really talk about the nations league games um Five nil drubbing of Grenada at home in Kansas City, and then a I hesitate to even call this a game of soccer, a scrappy Concacaf filled one one draw in El Salvador a week ago yesterday. Correct? Yeah. What was right. that? Last Sunday, I believe. Yeah, June fourteenth. Yeah, week ago yesterday. So clearly, clearly a lot to talk about. Um, because we haven't talked about it yet, Samara, let's just initial thoughts on on kind of both those games. Different, different, right? Yeah, I mean, Granada, the first half was uh, a little bit, um, you know, awesome, just a little bit light. Not awesome to see. Sorry, the second half was more awesome to see in my eyes. But we all knew that we were going to go into that game expecting a big win, you know, expecting goals. It was just a matter of time. I mean, I'm glad to see Jesus get the four, but this was not a game that was like, Oh, you get four. Like think about when Pepe, what do you, how many goals did he score in that Honduras game or the El Salvador game away in the, you know, it didn't have that same magnitude. So he scores four goals. Congrats, but the competition's nowhere near the levels it's going to be. So there are some positives to see, like had he not scored, you know, we would have looked at it as a negative. For sure. Had he not put one past Granada, Grenada. Um, so I don't know. Is I'm trying to think of who maybe lost their stock against Grenada. You have any thoughts? Um, in terms of lost stocks, I, I mean, you know, it's so hard to to really take anything from games like that, like you said. Um I think it really is a game for for losing stocks more than gaining stocks. Um I'm trying to remember who even came on in that game. That was so long ago. Yeah, I mean, Walker came on, Christian rolled on, Brendan Aronson, George Bellow, and Malik Tillman. Um, I just remember this game. I I didn't love um, Reggie Cannon again. This was another game where I, I just <laughs> didn't love it. Jordan Morris also started this game. Uh, Paul Areola. So, yeah, it, it, in my eyes, it was a win win loss situation. You know, the players were gonna if they did well, we were gonna say it wasn't that you know it was against bad competition, and if they did bad, then we'd you know trash them. So like, right? But I think that's fair given the given the opposition. You know what I mean? Like, oh know, yeah, for sure, for sure. For sure. But I was just talking about from their perspective. Oh, for sure, for sure. And and I think you know if there's one person that I think has significantly dropped their stock just throughout camp in general. And, and you can look at this even, even based on minutes. Um, George Bellow. George Bellow was, I know somebody who we had mixed feelings on in the podcast. He's had good moments. He's had shaky moments. Um, I don't think George Bellow is, is doing himself any favors when it comes to working his way up that left back depth chart. Um, the only thing really keeping him in it still, it seems at the moment is the fact that nobody has reached up and, and kind of claimed that spot for their own, but, Look, he was all right when he came on against Grenada and, and then didn't get the start, didn't get a look in against El Salvador, didn't get a look against either Uruguay or Morocco. That, for me, says a lot about his standing within Greg Berhalter's mind. So, I mean, if there's one person that I think stock really dropped from that Grenada game especially, it, it may be George Bella, um, just because it really solidified some things. I mean, I think George Bellow's stock was dropping the entire um, camp from start to finish. I still think he could be a phenomenal left back, you know, in the future. The guy is 20 years old and he can't even drink at a bar yet. Um, but yeah, he didn't have and clearly didn't have a good showing in training and stuff to, to, to get a start. And then when he was on, it wasn't the best either. I look at another guy like Eric Palmer Brown. Like, where was he? He really didn't get any shot this entire camp. I mean, he didn't play in either Nations League game. Uh, did he play? I think he played. Didn't he get subbed on in one of the games, the first games? 
against Uruguay, he, he, yeah. got, he got 45 and didn't look particularly great. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that he doesn't call him up, like, cause I don't know where he rakes rates, uh, like Mark McKenzie, you know, like, does he all of a sudden think that Mark is better than Eric? Um, obviously John Brooks. So obviously right. miles, maybe I just think Eric Palmer Brown stock dropped a little bit because of, because of not playing at all because of playing a little bit and, and not playing well. Potentially. Yeah. I think I, I look, I'm not going to judge him based on the Uruguay performance because no one really played particularly well defensively in that game, even though it was nil nil. I didn't think anybody really, really showed out in that game whatsoever. I want to say that, and, and maybe this is me being hopeful that Eric Palmer Brown's stock hasn't completely dropped only because I think he has a unique skill set amongst our center backs as, as a very good ball playing center back, which is something that we didn't really get to see in any, in either of the two nations league games from either one of our center backs. Right. Um, you know, there's a difference between being a ball playing center back under pressure and a ball playing center back when you're playing Grenada and they're bunkering in their own box. So I think Eric Palmer Brown still has a lot to offer this team. And, and I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, the coaching staff around him realizes the skill set that, that he brings, especially in the absence of a guy like John Brooks and the, and the absence of based on injury of a guy like Chris Richards. I mean, I think he's up there with our best ball playing center halves. So we'll see what happens. I think with him. I mean, I, I agree. I don't, I'm not happy or, or, or anything that Eric Paul Brown's stock has dropped. I don't, believe he got the opportunities maybe he needed to even show uh but that's what i'm saying is like i think his stock stock dropped because he didn't play he didn't he didn't show very much at all um and i think that that could be a sign that you know maybe he doesn't rate him as highly as cameron carter vickers cameron carter vickers vickers played a lot more you know and is at the same kind of time span and like newness to this team Yeah, and, and credit to CCB. I think he he was given an opportunity and really, really took it from, from what I'm remembering. Um, was solid in defense. Pretty much, I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a moment, a couple of moments where he put a foot wrong, and I'm really, really struggling to think. The, the, uh, the header against um, when he mistracked that run, Matt Turner had to make a diving save oh, against... Right. Morocco. That's the right. only thing. People wanted to just look at that. But overall, yeah, I thought he had a very strong tournament. I'm sorry, window. Um, people want to knock on anyone from the El Salvador game. Like, I mean, you're tripping. Like, I he, thought he was phenomenal in, in that El Salvador it, game. I'm saying, like, offensively, like, yes, our, our our center backs were not good with the ball in that game in terms of like taking space and and um, and, and hitting long balls. But it, like, it's so hard for me to you know. Com- complain so hard because I'm sure it must have been atrocious to you try and do such a thing on that field and be worried that you take one touch forward and that ball's bouncing in the other way. So I thought he played very well this window. I, I would agree. Um, for me, a guy that, that I was disappointed with, and I mean, it's hard to even say really disappointed because I think it's, it's just the reaffirmation of everything that, that we've seen so far um, was Paul Ariola. I, and I, I'm, you know, I love Paul and, and I want to give him the benefit, the benefit of the doubt. I love a player that, you know, does what he does and, and works hard and, you know, really, you can tell when he's out there, he's giving it, giving it his all. And, and I respect the guy for that. But I think that this, this may have been the last straw, even for the most diehard Paul Ariola supporters. Um, obviously the performance against El Salvador was not good, was subbed on in the 65th minute, I believe, maybe even later, gave the ball away three times and got a red card. Now, the red card was harsh, yes, but it doesn't excuse the overall poor performance that led up to that and the rash decision-making that you know went into that challenge. It's nothing we haven't said before, right, that Paul Ariola's technical ability is not on the level of, of his counterparts and that there's a massive drop-off behind Tim Weah if Gio Reyna is, is not healthy or is viewed as an eight. And I don't know, for me, that's, that's a big stock dropping, at least in my eyes, from a guy who I didn't really th- think their stock could get much lower. Yeah, and I feel the same mindset. Um, I was really not pleased with the performances of his. Uh, again, I do love him to death. and love what he does at times for this team. I don't. I don't know if I'm confident in saying that like he's now out 
um, because like that would ha- that would be having to trust Greg to. I mean, even if Gio's there, he still might get called up. So I'm I'm not confident in saying that he's not gonna st- not gonna go to Qatar now. But oh no, I, I but think his so his stock. Yeah, his stock definitely dropped. I mean, do you think Jordan Morris helped book a shot to to Qatar there? I don't. He, think did, so. did he get like a? Did they add it to the cart with him kind of thing? They just impressed by now for his plane ticket. I don't think or no. So. I don't. Okay, think I so. hope so. I'm just. I'm wondering just your take on that. I'm. I'm. I'm looking at strictly minutes played against you know quality opposition and the way that Jordan Morris has performed when we've played top opposition, even if it's top opposition in Concacaf, even if it's middling opposition in Concacaf. Um, hasn't been great. It's a yeah, phenomenal that was a great goal. goal. It's a phenomenal yeah. goal from Jordan to to get the equalizer against El Salvador, and and really, I think the biggest thing you can take away from that game as a whole is the the mentality of that team, as young as they were, to come back and and fight back and not give up and and really, you know, power out a draw in tough circumstances. Do I have complaints over the tactics and the performances? Absolutely, but. Look, yeah, good goal from Jordan. It, it's a great moment for him. Do I think it changes much in my eyes? Not at all. I don't think it changes much in the eyes of those around U.S. soccer either. I could be proven wrong. For all I know, Jordan Morris will be starting on the right wing. But I'm, I'm hopeful. I think that that will be viewed for what it is, which is a great moment for, for a great guy but doesn't change how his performances have been over the last six months. Yeah, totally. Um, thinking of another guy, obviously Horvath's stock, stock dropped. I mean, I don't love the opportunity given to him, you know, and, and, and all of the faults and everything, but like, it's a matter of fact that like he did play in this game and he did get stuck in the mud in a moment and, you know, get caught off guard, whether it was a shot or, you know, whatever. But I believe is, you know, whether we like it or not, his stock definitely dropped. Yeah, no, and and and, I mean, I've I've been an ardent Horvath supporter for a while. Um, there's no denying that. Yeah, that's on Horvath. I mean, it's on Horvath as much as it's on, and not as much as it's on Reggie Cannon. But you know, ninety five percent of that is on Ethan Horvath. Reggie Cannon could do better, of course, and then we'll get to Reggie Cannon in a minute. But yeah, Horvath, look, when the opportunity is given to you you got to take it and, and you got to, you got to kind of grab it by the horns and, and, and not, not have a mistake like that. Do I think it should drop his stock? No. Goalkeepers make mistakes. It happens. It just so happens that when you make one mistake as a goalkeeper, the ball ends up in the back of the net 95% of the time. So, you know, look, should it completely Preach. write him out of the picture? No, but, but will it likely? Like, I think the goalkeeping situation in general and, and, I want you to chime in on this too. I think the goalkeeping situation in general is, is going to come down to similar to the striker situation, who's playing, who's in form and, and kind of what's going on in terms of who gets called the guitar. Yeah. I mean, totally. Um, I, I still, like you said, still Ray Horvath and think everything you said is true about the position of, you know, the way goalkeepers are looked at. Um, but yeah, like you said, it was at that moment that he needed to save that and he didn't, but speaking about the other guy, uh, or I'll, I will just chime in about the Horvath, the goalkeeper situation. It, yes, it's going to be based on who's playing. And it's crazy to think that uh, everybody's backups except Sean Johnson right now. So hopefully something changes. All right, real soon. And same with the striker position. Where's PFOC? Where's Haji? Um, where's Sargent? Where's DK? You know, where's Pepe? Curious about all of them. But Reggie Cannon, I just really wanted to get to him. That's Reggie why I expected that. Reggie Cannon, Reggie Cannon. Didn't love, did not love the performances from him. So his attacking um, was so poor at times, I thought. And the decision-making, and it felt like for me, it was like the decisiveness to do certain things, just like like to the, to be willing at times to, like I felt like he was always just making the back pass and just never, you know, strong for us going down the right side. Right. No, I, I completely went beyond that. Look, so, and Reggie Cannon's profile has never been, for me anyway, one that's a, you know, modern attacking fullback. Now, there's a reason he's played right center back for Boa Vista at times, right? He, he's typically thought of as, as more of a defensively sound fullback who is going to be safe and rotational in possession going forward. 
not going to offer much in terms of crosses, in terms of width, in terms of attacking output, but is going to make up for it with sound defending. And I saw almost none of that this tournament, or this, I can keep saying this tournament, this window. Um, middling performances against Morocco. And did he play against Grenada? I don't even remember. That, that game doesn't count for me. That game is a nothing game. But a middling performance against Morocco. He did. He did. <laughs> and a subpar too bad performance against El Salvador. I, I thought he was one of the worst on the pitch against El Salvador. And a game where he defended yeah. pretty well. And he was bad. He was bad. You know, he was 100% bad. I would have been like, yo, Greg, put me in. Um, it was just, there was nothing there offensively. I understand you're a defensive-minded player and stuff, but when the opportunity is presented at times and you just can't even take it sometimes, it's like, oh. But he didn't even, and for me, he didn't even defend well either. Yeah, again, exactly. It was not his best showing there. I still think he has a shot of being on the roster again in Greg's eyes, but it's like, Scally, question mark? Well, you don't think, do you think, uh, I mean, obviously a healthy Sergino Des changes things. Oh, 100%. Serge is the, the starting right back. I'm just saying in terms of backup, like Scally, please. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, maybe, as of right now, Reggie's like still Yedlin, proven. But... I mean, Reggie and Yedlin are still proven. You know, they're, they're, they're going to be hard guys to beat. They're both veterans. Like, if Yedlin's down, it's still probably going to be Reggie over Scally. Well, and, and let's, let's be honest with it, too, right? I mean, Joe Scally, another guy whose stock didn't particularly rise this, this window either. I mean, I don't think it dropped as much as a lot of people are saying. Look, the kid was given his first USMNT start against Uruguay and was poor for sure, but, but wasn't as horribly bad as, as people are making it out to be, especially yeah. in the scenario. Yeah, for sure. Scally, that was a tough game to, to hop into, but uh, he did look off the pace, but we've seen him be on the pace with players of even higher skill level. So I'm really like, it's one thing to be like, oh, you, you know, he's off the pace, but he, I mean, he plays in the Bundesliga and played a lot last season, at least in the beginning, and seemed up to pace for a good majority of the season. There's no reason why he can't be up to pace here. And I'm sure Reggie can too, but I'm just saying like for people that are writing him off for this early performance of his is going to be wrong and will eat their words eventually. I hope so. I, I, I think, you know, obviously there's a player in there and, and maybe it is that he's not ready. Maybe, maybe 2026 is the time. Um, but look, was he any worse this camp than Reggie Cannon or than no. DeAndre Yedlin? I don't think so. No, no. I don't think so. No, so. Caleb, Wiley, Caleb Wiley was messing with DeAndre a little bit yesterday. Ah, uh, don't get me started on Caleb Wiley and Atlanta, bro. That you're, now you're just going to get me out of the U-20s. We'll talk about Caleb Wiley later because that's a real bummer for this U-20 camp that's going on. But Yeah, but speaking of first start and like maybe people's thinking you didn't take the advantage of your opportunity, Haji, why is Greg so harsh on Haji Wright for his performance against El Salvador here? That was a mud fest for a striker where all you need to do is play with the ball at your feet and, you know, run into space, hit the ball, you know, cleanly. How can Greg be so harsh on him for that in his first ever start? That's a terrible game to get your first start in. Terrible. I, I don't get it. I don't understand, especially with the amount of chances he, we've given to, to Jesus Ferreira, who hasn't at all lived up to expectations. And I know he scored four against Grenada. Again, that game means nothing to me. It, it is kind of a win-lose or lose-lose situation if you're a player. I mean, like he did what you're expecting to do. Four goals is great, man, too. And I really hope that signifies the start of something new. But, yeah, I, I don't understand the, the thinking from Greg Berhalter, I don't understand the, the decision making to come out and say these things about Haji to say that. And, and granted, they weren't overly negative, I thought, but it, to say that like he's disappointed in a player for not taking his opportunity, I think is is a bit reactionary. And I think it's reactionary based on his guy scoring four goals against what amounts to be a, a semi pro team. And that I, I mean, maybe we're all wrong. And maybe he rates Haji so highly that, like, he expected better there, you know? And Haji will be there again. I'm hopeful that that's what that means. And that he rates Haji so much, you know, 
He's disappointed that he wasn't able to do that because I saw a clip of them playing, you know, ping pong earlier. And I just don't understand. I can't believe that he thought that that was the right thing to say there, you know, and I'm not saying that other players factor into it, but you, you know, in the back of your mind, the, the relationship of him and some of the other guys, and it's his first ever camp, first ever start. I couldn't imagine Greg being this dumb. So that's why I have to feel like it comes from some sort of other motive as of like, I rate him so highly. I expect way better. You know, I really want him to take advantage of this, but you know, once he goes to whole city, he'll be back here in September type of thing. <laughs> Dude. I, I hope that's the case because I can't, I'm with you. I can't imagine the universe in which, I mean, I can, unfortunately, but like I, I, I choose not to imagine the universe that Greg sees the relationship that Haji Wright has with, you know, his star guys, Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, Luca De La Torre, and looks at that and says, I'm going to throw this guy into the bus. And now look, don't get me wrong. I, I don't think that, you know, pre-existing relationships with either the U.S. youth national team, the U.S. men's national team, or like players should have any, you know, sh- should, should bar players from criticism. Not at all. I think players should be criticized when they do perform poorly. But the extent to, to which Greg seems to have gone here is, is a little bit mind-boggling considering the situation that Haji was placed into and considering the relationships he has with those players. It's not a situation to throw somebody under the bus. It, it, it's simply not like you. I mean, uh, I mean, that's what it simply comes down to like, forget everything else we said, forget like everything. It just simply comes down to like, that's not, it doesn't seem like a worthy place to throw someone under the bus. And yeah, it, I didn't read the whole press conference ever, whatever. It could have just been one sentence he said and nothing else about Haji, but still that one sentence just, it rubs you the wrong way a little bit. Yeah, like you're going to say that about Haji, but you're not going to mention, you're not going to say anything about, you know, Paul Ariola having 10 minutes of doing nothing and then getting red carded. And Reggie Cannon, not, you know, not playing the best. I mean, maybe he did, but I, again, I didn't read the whole press conference. Yeah, but, but again, the point being. Not that harsh. Right. Um, yeah, but look, Haji's stock, I think in general, to me, hasn't changed much. It was good to see him get some looks and good to see that there is something that, that you know, he can offer a little bit differently. I still think Ricardo Pepe is probably the guy at the moment, and I would love to see Josh Sargent in camp. I'd be interested when Daryl DK comes back to see if, if he starts performing in the championship. But look, I think there are limitations to Haji's game, like there are limitations to all of our guys' games. Um, Haji is great in holdup, but when the ball is at his feet, similar to Jesus, I actually don't think Jesus is a very good holdup player at all, but that's by the point. But yeah, no, Haji, for me, I don't think his stock went anywhere. Uh, I hope not. I hope it didn't. I hope it just chilled where it was at. Um, what about for my, you? Not, not like disregarding Greg. What about for you? Where did his stock go? I, I don't I don't feel as if his stock went down. I actually uh, enjoyed his performance against, who was that, uh, Morocco when he came on. I enjoyed some of the the, the laybacks he had and and, and you know, control. Um, I also enjoyed some of his movement against El Salvador. And then I enjoyed his goal. His PK was a strong PK. I thought that there were a lot of strong moments in this camp. And then the one start he gets is that, and then it gets the comment like that, like the whole window's over. And like, that's what you take away from Haji Wright's performances and everything. I still rate him very highly, but the, the players you mentioned, um, I believe do, do deserve a start. I mean, I'm really excited to see DK again, hopefully. You know, uh, I like him a lot. Um, and just all the guys that are coming back, Pepe, there's going to be a lot of competition for September. I mean, they're not all going to be able to come. So, no. And, and I think, I mean, it was said multiple times on the broadcast, which I usually don't listen to the broadcast that and take much stock from it. But I think, you know, the one good point that, that Stu Holden did make in an entire 90 minute match was that it does really appear that the, the striker position right now is going to be whoever's hot. And, and, you know, that's just – we're going to have to accept that, that, that at this rate it's going to be whoever's scoring, whoever's playing in their respective league. And playing well, obviously. But, but yes. what I mean, like whoever's scoring and, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Want to talk about some guys who had good stocks, whose stocks shot up? Because I think there's a couple. Like yeah, a, couple in, a couple standouts. Um, one that I really want to get to, and this is a lot based off that El Salvador game, but, but camp in general, Yunus Musa. Man, wow, wow, wow. This kid is only 19. And 
is a baller. Is balling out right now. What a camp. He's so good off the dribble. He's so powerful. Um, he, I don't know. I don't want to say he does something like me because he doesn't, but I do. I guess I do something like him. A lot of like uh, just that first touch he takes is so quick and strong and powerful and fast that even when the defenders are close to him, it's just he goes right around him. He uses their momentum against them so well. Uh, they never know which way he's going to go. And then he just breaks. And then he's just going upfield. And it's just this guy going 90 miles an hour, which is just so awesome to see. Um, he's, you know, I wish he scored that goal. But the whole camp, he was just, you could tell he was really thriving in that eight role and just taking more. And in the in the El Salvador game, like getting forward more. I need that more. We need that in the in the, him in the box more, right? You know, Weston can't always be that guy. Um, so that was big time as well. I wish he scored and put some of those away, but he drew a red card and he also missed an open chance. Kind of. Yeah. I, I, I kind of want to echo everything you said. And, and he is so dynamic when it comes to his directness. I, I, I it, it blows my mind with this kid gets the ball. doesn't matter where he is. We'll get the ball on the turn and has one thought, which is drive at the back line. His end product could obviously be better, whether that's the final ball or the final shot. But the fact that he's 19 is an only, and is only going to get better at that, that, that to me is, is, wow. He's got the technique down already. He's got all of the technical ability. It's there on show, and the IQ is there. Just think that this kid is only going to get better with age. I mean, it is, it is a great thing to see. And it's, it's gotten me rethinking. The, the midfield a little bit. Um, I don't know what the best midfield trio is or if a midfield trio is even the best move, but I was, I was, I was on board with, obviously, Eunice Musa being on the plane Qatar, to Qatar before this. I was not necessarily a Eunice Musa as a starter before this. I, I would really like to see Gio Reyna in that role. But this is, this is throwing a wrinkle in some things, Sumer. I may, I may be on... Moving slightly Rin- closer to that fence. Wrinkles are, are good. Wrinkles are good, I tell you, okay? This is a good thing that we have here. We have is a problem uh, with uh, uh, who should play, which position, and which, who should be starting. Um, great problem we have. But no, actually, though. I mean, I a lot of people... I love it. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'll go back. But uh, it was, you know, like I, like I just said, like, like Javier just said, um, Musa's a baller and he's and he's been balling his whole window. And to have the the thought of still starting him now and then still Geo, maybe Aronson, these are all good things to have and just loved his performance. He has that swagger. Love me some champagne problems, brother. That's what we call these. Champagne problems. Great ones yeah, to sh- have. Champagne poppy? Champagne poppy. Um another guy who I think had a great stock and whose stock bumped up and and in multiple positions and may have bumped another guy potentially out of, of contention, I don't think so, but was Luca De La Torre. Specifically for me, Luca De La Torre at the six. He just brings something different to Tyler, which is a breath of fresh air. Not to say that Tyler is, you know, whatever, but it's something different, and I like that. Yeah, he's so he's so aggressive to get on the ball and it really makes their strikers work and their center attacking mids work. And it's just so smooth on the ball when he gets it. They're dangerous. Like they're afraid of if he gets too much space on the ball. So they really work hard to defend him, leaving some of our eights open, some of our outside backs open. Um, yeah, I love seeing Luca there. It gives us a lot of questions of like, like you said briefly, is it a three that we're playing? You know, um, so because he could play in it, you know, possibly in something else. And also he could be the sixth in a three um, or an eight. I love him both to have, you know, our midfield wasn't that strong, but it's getting kind of strong. If Musa's going to play this well, if Aronson can, can do, you know, this, this well as a third or fourth string should um, Weston, um, it, we're excited to see Gio there. You know, those four hopefully can, can, can continue this. Yeah. I, I, It'll be really fascinating to see. And what it does, and I think my favorite part about, you know, seeing Luca emerge as a six against both Morocco and against El Salvador is that it gives you variability for a game-by-game scenario, right? If we, we happen to find ourselves in a game 
potentially against England in the World Cup, where we need a bit more of a, a destructive six, somebody who's going to break up play, somebody who's going to you know, help initiate the press if we need to. Then you're looking at a Tyler Adams style. But if we're looking at you know, maybe playing against a team that's going to come out and press us, or a low block even, then you know, maybe a Luca De La Torre slots in better that role as, as the six. And it just it gives options to Greg and the staff. And I think that's the, one of the biggest positives to come out of this window is, is the amount of variability that there is, both in terms of you know, guys like Brendan being able to play an eight or Luca being able to play the six. I can't wait till we see Geo in the eight. Like there's so many options here. And, and I think that's a net gain. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, like you said, the the positional fluidity is uh, is looking kind of unique in the center. Um, another guy I thought stock like we already talked about briefly, but I'll just say it again: CCV's stock, Cameron Carter Vickers. Uh, I definitely think his stock did go up a little bit. Um, I thought Pulisic's stock was up. I still think it went up a little bit. I mean, it's a player hard to go up, but I just wanted to mention him. Like he had a good right, window yeah. in terms of the you know the Morocco game, and um, El Salvador was tough for him. Yeah, it was. I mean, El Salvador was tough for, I think, a lot of people. For me, like, Pulisic is, is a tough guy to evaluate stock on because he's on the plane. Like, there's no... he's been Yeah, on I, just, I just wanted to mention him. No, I, I, I get him. that. No, absolutely. And I'm, I'm happy he did. It's just, it's so, for me, it's so hard to evaluate, you know? Yeah, because he's going to be there regardless. He's been there since 2018, you know, like... <laughs> If he's healthy, he's going. Knock on wood for even putting that. I mean, Sean, Sean Johnson, did he up his stock? Yeah, potentially. Not, not through so much Nations League, obviously, but Uruguay? Potentially. I, I think, look, he played well against Uruguay. And, and you know, with, with nobody he really. He scared me once or twice. He's not great with his feet. We know this. Um, which is, I mean interesting given that he is one of the better mls keepers with his feet i don't know i rate jonathan klinsman better really one thousand percent i'm gonna leave a no comment on that one but <laughs> um it's just i don't know it, it, it's so hard to evaluate because i think it literally will be the three that are the three that are getting the most action and the three that that feel comfortable with look i think if you're seeing a stefan Horvath, Turner on the bench for their respective club teams, then I wouldn't be surprised if a Sean Johnson or even a, maybe a Stefan Fry gets a call up for the for Qatar. I, I no, not Stefan Fry. Not, he's not coming. But Sean Johnson, yes. Sure. Stefan Fry is not realistic. Like it's never gonna. It's not gonna happen. You really think there's like a shot of that of it happening? I mean, yeah. Just, no, he I'm just does, basing that on his, the calls. But uh, okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, that position. If if all three are bench players, then yeah, Sean comes for sure. Are there any other players that you want to highlight from this window and Nations League? I'm trying to think. Uh, um, Jedi, God, please stay healthy forever. That's that's what I got for you. Hey man, there's some there's some youth guys though. I mean, I don't know if they'll be ready by 2022, but like you know, like we'll get into Wiley, Paredes, Tolkien, and Bello are still all really young, so. I mean, for this World Cup, it's it's mainly on him. Like, this is going to be him. Like, if there's a, there's a pretty big drop-off sometimes when you go down, even Sam Vines or whoever. Um, but yeah, for the future, just wanted to shut that oh, out. Like, for sure. the future. 2026. Go, yeah. Gomez, too. Gomez, too. Sorry, I forgot about him. Like, he's not, offic- he's not, he's not officially lost, you know? So, mm-hmm. that left-back position looking kind of decent. For 2026, yeah. Um, it, it's slightly concerning that, you know, none of those guys have stepped up. I mean, not many have been given an opportunity, but but none have really stepped up for this 2022 cycle. But uh, no, look, that's that's pretty much what I got for you um, in terms of you know net positives. I, I think as a as a group, as a positive, I'd like to see the the mentality, especially in that fight back against uh, against El Salvador in in those conditions. Um, look, we can talk about tactics and stuff all you want. I, I don't put much stock in anything that happened that game, other than the the mentality. So that's, that's what I, that's my two cents. I don't know. What do you, you got any, any last thoughts? Yeah. My thoughts on this, on this whole window, I was, you know, very pleased by the first two matches, Morocco specifically Uruguay, because I mean, a lot of these players hadn't played a national team level game of that high caliber against that caliber opponent. Maybe they have for their club, but not for their national team, really. I mean, Mexico maybe, but 
still, you understand what I'm saying. So I was really pleased by those two matches. And then Grenada, whatever. El Salvador, like you said, the fight, the 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 willingness to to really just put your head down and you know, that goal wasn't caused by the by the players, you know, performing something poorly and letting open a, a tap in or something. Like, you know, so the mentality in that game was super strong. And that's what I come away with. So I'm very excited to see where this goes. Mentality strong, vibes are strong, team is getting better, lots of highs, some lows that we see could be fixed, but it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I think at this rate, it seems from a, you know, Greg Berhalter and co standpoint that 20 of 23 spots appear to really be, be solidified at least 90% when it comes to the world cup. And that's, wait, is it 20? It, it's up to 26 now, right? Yeah, I believe yeah, they're about, so, so if, 23, if not about to do 23 of 26 appear to appear to be solidified. Um, some guys that, you know, maybe we not a huge fan of, and, and I wish that there were guys being given looks in for this 2022 cycle to maybe replace some of those guys. You all know the guys, we've said the names a million times, not worth, you know, repeating that here, but, but yeah, I, I think, look, we've got most of our guys going to Qatar, at least in Greg's minds. And it's a fight for those last three. And, and hopefully, you know, whoever takes the bull by the horns this, this upcoming club season, we'll get that done. But For sure. And, you know, I hope that leads right into kind of, you know, what soccer still going on and some players and opportunities that players have here domestically in the MLS um, back in full swing this weekend. We'll, we'll just hop into that back in full swing this weekend after the international window, uh, a lot of boring games. I do have to say so myself. Um, in terms of the U.S., you know, part, you know, uh, regards, uh, Red Bulls obviously had Aaron Long and John Tolkien in there. Um, Aaron Long, they had a 2-0 win against Toronto. I just want to shout out their center attacking mid, Luquinhas. He's an absolute maniac, and I'm very scared of him. Um, new Brazilian signing they have, I believe. Um, Gaga Salina, listen to this. He had a clean sheet. Um, but Good. Good to see you DC, back in form. But DC United didn't have a shot on target. Yeah, it's all right. We just look at numbers here. We just look at the good numbers. Good to see Gaga looking- back in form. They won one nothing against DC United. No shots on target. Gaga had a clean sheet though. Hey. hey, clean sheet, clean sheet. No goals allowed. Let's go. Hey, hey, just send the stat report. All right, don't don't show the highlights. <laughs> don't, don't show that. There are none. There are none. That game didn't happen. Love delay. You know who um, I did like this weekend actually? Yeah, who? Caleb Wiley. Oh yeah, you want to jump right to him? He's I'll, fire. I'll jump to Caleb Wiley, dude. He's had a hot start to the season for Atlanta. Um, I believe he's eight. Is he eighteen now? I know he was seventeen at the beginning of the season. Is he eighteen yet? I believe so. He's 18 now. Um, he's either 17 or 18. Look, the kid is is a natural kind of attacking fullback. Um, scored his first MLS goal 17. a couple months ago. He's still 17. Wow, there we go. Uh, scored his first club goal a couple months ago. I think we actually covered that on this, on this pod during one of our weekend roundups. Um, and for me, it looked really, really good since coming back from the, the little injury that he had that he picked up um probably two three weeks ago he, he picked it up and is, is i think was this his first start back do you know i i don't i mean it's everyone's first start back they haven't played in like a month no i know but for him since I've, injury i for, i forget when he was in like if he missed the game before right before the break started then i can see he may have but in, in any case i he well you looked that up he looked really good for me um as an attacking outlet for atlanta they won to nothing in in their game against uh inter miami he played a massive part in that second goal, just, you know, being wide and, and, and being involved in the play. So yeah, for me, a guy that disappointing as it is, and, and this will, you know, maybe lead us into the, to the U 20 roster in a little bit, but disappointed to not see him with the U twenties, but at least he's getting the starts for, for club while he's there. Um, so, you know, good things to see from, from Caleb Wiley for sure. Yeah. I guess they, uh, they like um, left backs. I guess they like left backs and they like center backs U S and if, if they, if they have a good attacking prospect, then he's like South American, but there's the, they don't have any American, you know, prospects, maybe Dom Dwyer, if you count him as a prospect still. Um, but no, Caleb Wiley was fire. And, you know, he was on the ball offensively too, was kind of dynamic. 
dribbling and weaving a little bit. Um, love him. And he's a real prospect for sure. Would love to have him in the 20s. Uh, FC Dallas, though, had the, the whole contingency and still lost 2 nothing. And um, against Vancouver, who's like bottom of the table in the West, not a great showing from Jesus, Paul, Paxton, uh, Brendan, Sylvania. Um, not a great showing from them. Nashville also losing to one of the most bottom teams in the Western sporting Kansas city at home Walker. Um, not a, not a ton else. DC United didn't look good. Philly didn't have any of their young guys. Uh, Cincinnati actually Brandon Vasquez scored again for Cincinnati, uh, kind of on a tear, um, Call him up. Kind, kind of a fan, actually kind of a fan. I'm not going to lie. He's got a unique body. I'm not saying, I don't know if we call him up, but if he like, no, please don't, don't, but like, don't, in, don't in, start this. In September, on Twitter. in September, if he has like 16 goals, bro, like it's going to be like, what? You're not going to like give him a shot. Like this guy's tearing it. Sure. If it can tearing it. Yeah. I'm saying if it like September comes around and this guy's got like 16 goals and like six assists and we're like 25 games into a 34 game season. Like that's fire. Sure. Cause if you're going with a guy in form and you claim, and we claim the MLS is a pretty high competition. Like my goodness, those are some pretty good stats. All I'm saying is I like this guy's production right now. And right, like, sure, sure. It's sure, a short sure. sample, small sample size, but like, I do like his 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 performances as of late. And I and I'd agree with that. Look, it's it's an interesting name to keep kind of on the back fringes. Um, I, I think what bothers me is a guy like is the thought of a guy like Brandon Vasquez and in, in his skill set being called in over a Josh Sargent or a Daryl DK, and that that to me is a little frustrating. Um, because yeah, he's not yeah. on that level, but. I mean, but if those guys, if, if everyone makes their moves this year and for some reason, these guys are just not performing DK, we act like everything's going to be perfect. DK will probably be out with like a concussion or something. Uh, Pepe probably won't be playing for Augsburg. Sergeant will be, you know, with his wife handling baby duties, you know, people are going to be out and then we're going to be like, "Mm, maybe, maybe, maybe. So I'm just saying in that case. In that case, man, I think about him. No, but and that's and that's I think I agree. I would love DK and Pfock and these guys ahead of him, but I just wanted to shout him out for his performances. Oh, for sure, and and it's good to say. I, look, I love anybody, any any US guy looking to challenge for the the golden boot in the domestic league. Like that's awesome. Yeah, it should be no happening jo- more often. I agree. I agree. I mean, Jesus is up there too, and also uh, Jeremy Abobasi. But I think we lost him. Um, no, he's he still goes- US. Nope, he's still US eligible, Jeremy Abobasi, but. But again, okay. same three, he falls into the same categories as Brandon Vasquez. Like, look, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not act like if Josh Sargent <laughs> wasn't in MLS, he wouldn't be scoring 35 goals a season. So, like, I mean, I'm, I'm on I, – I think Brian White should have gotten called up last year. I'm on that hype train. I believe Brian White from Vancouver last season should have gotten called up 100%. I thought 100%. Right, bro, just call up Ben Bender. I mean, I mean, have you seen the stat comparison to Chris Roldan? <laughs> I mean, I mean, if only if only Ben Bender had a brother that could uh, could vouch for him. I'm kidding, you know, it's fine, whatever. You know, brother love, but like still, any dig at Christian Roldan is a good thing in my book. But yeah, yeah, no, that's about it for MLS this weekend. I think, unless you had any more you really wanted to mention, um, nah, we could dive dive right into the U twenty. So the U twenty Concacaf Championship. Um couple notes about it at first, which is why is the U.S. men's national team social media people pretending that this tournament doesn't exist? That's, I've seen not a lot of people even knowing this tournament is going on because of that. Uh, USSF has done a very poor job of promoting this tournament, but it, Sumeri, it's a very, very important tournament, isn't it not? And this tournament has a, a good amount of stake online. Um, a lot of stake. It, ha- it has, obviously, are the our qualification to the 2024 Olympics, which I believe is one of them is like the two finals. And the other one is like the semifinals, the four teams uh, in the semifinals. I believe um, that you the four semifinalists go to the Olympics. Oh, I think so that one of them is four and one of them is two. One of them is four. One of them is two. Basically just get to the semis. Uh, and then no, get to the semis, semis is um, semis is the world cup actually. Okay, semis is World Cup and Olympics is final two. Yeah, you're right because we lost in in the final in the semifinals last time um, with Jason Kreis. But uh, yeah, like you said, two things online: U20 World Cup, which we saw how productive that was last time. That team was absolutely beautiful to watch um, with Tim Way and Dest and all those guys. And then the uh, the 2024 World uh, Olympics. So 
bit, a lot of stake online. Right now we're in the group stage, obviously. Just finished our first match, 10-0. Banger of a game. I mean, uh, it's whatever. St. Kitts and Nevis expected that. But uh, match tonight, though. I mean, I'll just say that before. Match tonight, we will be, you, y'all be hearing this tomorrow. So best of luck to the guys uh, as they go to, go to work tonight. Um, but, yeah, int- I'm, I'm all tuned in. I'm, I'm tuned in. Oh yeah, dialed, dialed as I, as I should say. There's some, there's some, some seriously medium rare, perfectly cooked steak on the line here, um, and and I think that we've got a decent roster to be able to get it done. Um, you know the scary part about this is you look at the guys who are you, you obviously see the guys on this roster and like wow, there's a lot of young talent there, and then you look at the guys who are just ineligible for this roster or the guys who are eligible, but like play for the senior team and aren't here. <laughs> and it's like, Whoa, this is just nuts. Like Joe Scally missed the cutoff for this by a day. Gio yeah, missed it by like a month. Eunice Musa missed it by like a month. Like this is nuts. I mean, I was like, I was like, dude, there should be like a wiggle room. But then like, then another player would be two days out of the wiggle room. And then another player would be, two right, days right. Where do you, you know? It? And I was like, I was like, God damn, that's not possible. But like, come on, there's got to be like a like that was the doctor's fault. Like the baby was supposed to, the C section was scheduled. <laughs> the C section was scheduled for the day before. The doctor called in sick. Now they had Joe Scali a day late, and now he can't, can't represent this U twenty team. Uh, it's this. Where was where was Joe Scali's place of birth? Uh, I'm sure. Imagine Joe Scali in this camp though, too, because one of the big Lake things Grove. That- Lake Grove, New York. All right. So we got to find the hospital there and we got to find a doctor that gave birth to Scally. <laughs> the hunt is on. Because literally, imagine Scally in this camp right now. Um, would be the best player there. But not far. to say he'd be there, anyways. I mean, he was literally just with he, he was literally just with the men's. I mean, it's the, sure. like even if he was eligible, he probably wouldn't have been there. Sure. But, but yes, you're right. You're right. That age group and Eunice is just a few days out. Like the fact that those guys are so close to this cutoff shows you how young they are. Right. Which is, is awesome. Um, and this is a, a decent group, right? A decent group of guys still. Um, obviously, there are some notable names not here. A lot of that having to do with clubs not releasing players, which I think is a whole other discussion um, in terms of just that whole phenomenon. So, look, this is obviously clubs aren't required to release the players for this, for this youth camp. Um, so guys like Caleb Wiley, who we would love to see here are, was Caleb Wiley was not released by Atlanta. Um, wasn't there a center back not released too? Um, was Kobe, I, Hen- Kobe Henry just made the move. Otherwise he probably, he might've been there. I thought Atlanta was, there were two guys that they didn't release. I could be, I could be mistaken though, but I know Caleb Wiley's the big miss uh, from Atlanta United. Who's, who's not here representing his camp who would be eligible. Um, Guys like Obed Vargas is being released late by Seattle. At least he's going to be there. Um, I know Caden Clark was potentially going to be getting released late, but is is here now, which is great. And there's another person. Isn't there another person coming in late? Uh, I thought Paxson was supposed to, but he's there now. Um... No, I actually, I just look, it's just Obed Vargas who will be joining the team in Honduras. After yeah. The group stage. So, yeah, I, at first it was reported differently, but there's a lot of good players on this roster. I mean, yes, yeah. there are players left off, uh, but that's a lot due to, you know, their clubs, club situations and not releasing them uh, most of the time. Um, but I mean, this, this roster is, is hella pro. Like, give me some, who do you, give me, give me, give me some names. Who do you, who do you like? And I'll go through some, some, some names of mine. I don't know as much about these guys as I know, you know, quite a bit about the youth system. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm rather limited in my knowledge, but I do know a lot of, of a lot of the names and a lot of good things. So, so, I mean, I mean, I'm super high on Kate Cowell at the uh, striker position. I mean, we already know he's really good, but I think he's going to have an opportunity in this tournament to really showcase a uh, big game tonight, Canada and a lot into it. I just think he's so powerful and so strong that like, and he is actually kind of technical that like he could really showcase against these guys. Um, I, I think the defenders, I'm actually very intrigued by some of these defenders like Brandon Craig, he hasn't been able to break through, obviously, with Philly because their defense is very strong. So we just keep seeing MLS next pro minutes with him. And I want to see him like I want to see something you know nice here. Mauricio Cuervas, like, 
you know, he was out for a long time. This is going to be a, the, the emphasis of this tournament is like a huge opportunity for these players to just showcase themselves because a lot of them are really young prospects and don't get the uh, starting minutes like this at a level, at a, you know, on a, on a scale like this. If they do, it's MLS next pro, which is, is good, but then you're okay. Now you're at least now you're on the bench for MLS. Congrats. Um, so, you know, Paxson struggling, Jack McGlynn struggling, Quinn Sullivan struggling to get minutes. Um, you know, Edelman's not, you know, not, not starting at his club. Luna's still working through stuff. You know, Nico Tessar, the Greek guy or whatever with his dad. The whole point of this tournament is just like a huge opportunity for these players. Caden Clark, like just, I can't wait to watch this, but those are just a few, the defenders specifically. I'm really interested actually. in. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the defenders. Um, Brandon Craig specifically. Look, I think Brandon Craig is, is not a guy who was talked about nearly as much as he potentially should be. Uh, one of the big knocks against Brandon Craig has always been his physicality and, and will he be able to, you know, have the muscle to stand up in the game. But I think, I mean, he looked, he looked very good back in the last U 20 camp. The was it the confederations cup or the revelation. No, not the confederations cup, the revelations cup. Um, mm-hmm. He was one of the standout performers there. And I really like what I see from Brandon Craig in terms of a ball playing ability. He's, he's one of the best passing center backs in this pool um, of this, of this, you know, eligible roster. I think if he can physically keep up, he will be a very good talent moving forward for the U.S. and definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Um, yeah. Another guy that I really like from the center back pool, or from the defenders pool, is Jalen Neal. I love Jalen Neal. And he's Agreed. got hardly any minutes for LA Galaxy this season, but when, when we talk soccer IQ, Jalen Neal has to be up there as as one of the best prospects to come one of the best defensive prospects to come out um of this of this roster i mean i like him and marcus at center backs too i'm, I'm very intrigued by both of them um like you talked about so the defenders for sure jalen's you know really strong and like you said i think it's his iq uh i really like a lot um but moving over to kind of like the midfield area uh, you know, obviously a lot of these guys played well against St. Kitts and Nevis. I mean, Paxson had two goals. An interesting player that we haven't seen a lot play well was Alejandro Alvarado from uh, Vizela in, in, in Portugal. I am so excited for this kid, though. Yeah, he looked, like a, he, looked like a, a, he looked like a box-to-box. He is. Uh, so a little bit about, I, and I know a little bit about Alvarado Jr. Uh, mostly shout-out to um, Mark Charisse on Twitter and Pete Douthat of 11 Yanks know a little bit about Alejandro Alvarado Jr. from them, but was one of the only non-Portuguese U18 players to get, or sorry, U20 players to, uh, to get first team minutes in the Portuguese first division. So that shows you how highly they rate him. The kid is bags of technique. Um, you know, again, it's whether or not he can put the physicality to the game. And, and whether or not he can, you know, re- influence the game to, to the point where, where he should be. And, and again, we say this knowing all these kids are, are U20. But yeah, technical ability in bundles. Really, really excited to see what he can maybe offer against better competition. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, we don't know a lot about him. We saw him play well here. We've seen, you know, a good comps of him at, at Vizela, um, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. But yeah, excited to see more. I, uh, I do think Diego Luna is one of the coolest players i've ever seen i just think either the the vibe of diego luna is the vibe i want i'm just saying that right now agreed agreed if he if he becomes like the best national team player ever i will probably like you know that would to have him as the face of the u.s national team would just be amazing one day Sumer will explode i'll explode um but Caden Clark here and Paxton, you know, big opportunities for them. Jack McGlynn, what do you think of, uh, I mean, Rokas, uh, Rokas and Nico played against uh, St. Kitts, two guys who we don't know, you know, I mean, unless you watch a lot of youth comps and stuff like that, you might not know a ton, uh, especially because Rokas is over in Europe. Yeah, I, I don't know a lot about Rokas Pustas. Um, I've, heard of, I've, I've heard some good things. I've heard definitely, you know, maybe a space to watch coming up i uh, plays for hajik split in a croatian league and and got regular minutes there um over the past over the past year he looked pretty decent against st kitts uh, i mean obviously take that with a grain of salt it's a 10 nothing win against a, a team that i mean look at st kitts and nevis 
Um, there's not much else we can say, right? But no, he looked all right there. And, and, and I think it's definitely a guy where, again, the technical ability is there. Um, it, it comes down to the athleticism and the physicality of things, I think, a little bit. And it, again, all these guys, I think everybody in this roster is just a space to watch. I, I don't rate Nico Sarikas particularly highly. And maybe that's just me having to kind of shake off the, oh, he's the assistant coach's son. I was going to say. I was going to say. But certainly part of it uh, rubs me the wrong way a little bit. But I, I think just Nico's just he's a guy that I've seen before in, in other youth camps and hasn't particularly impressed me before, um, especially when you got, when, when there's guys here who I, I either know they can perform or who I haven't seen perform, and I'm a little bit more excited to see guys like Diego Luna, Bustas, you know, Alejandro Alvarado. It, it, it just, those guys are more excited to see than a Sarikis, but. Uh. Yeah. I mean, I agree with everything, you know, a lot of what you said. Um, I'm, you know, I'm interested to see what Nico can do, but going to the forwards, only three really guys that they list as forwards, Cade Cowell, Quinn Sullivan, and Tyler Wolf. Obviously I talked about Cade being an impressive prospect and someone who could really dominate this tournament. Quinn Sullivan as well, you know, you know, he actually gets a good amount of minutes and especially last year and scoring some wonders for Philly could really take this tournament by storm. I mean, he balled out in Argentina. What was that with? Um, I mean, a lot of the Philly boys balled out there. That the was recently. So friendly. Uh, it was during the, the last like round of world cup qualifiers. They just, I'm not, yeah, they, there, but... the whole team balled out down there, bro. Oh. Um, but I don't know. You know, I haven't seen a ton of Tyler Wolf, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see more of him as well. But this team has way more than enough talent to win this whole thing. So I want to, like I said, very interested to see who steps up. I, I would absolutely go crazy if Diego Luna, Paxton Aronson, uh, Mauricio Cuervas, and Quinn Sullivan just absolutely tear this thing into shreds. Or anybody. I just was listing random names there. But no, I'm just super excited to see how this turns out. There's a lot of people here with a lot of big opportunities. Who's going to take it and grow their stock? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, you want to talk about some of the weirdness going on in this tournament? Because, oh, goodness, this is probably like one of the most strangely CONCACAF tournaments ever. It's just bizarre. No te gusta? No te gusta? No hablo espanol. Okay, I'm saying you don't like, you don't like? Um, uh, yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Um, what's it called? What was it, the first, the, the, the 20 player limit? Yeah. So the games are scheduled 48 hours apart, at least in the group stage. I, I think it, they may go to 36 in the, the knockout stages, but they 48 hours apart. And CONCACAF is like, you know, you guys can bring 20 players. I know that's less than the 23 that the senior teams get for games that are scheduled like four days apart in windows. But you guys, we're going to schedule your games, you know, two days apart and, and you get three fewer players. So deal with it. Just kind of bizarre. Yeah. I feel like it's a weird, I mean, they don't even have enough technically to go 11 v 11, um, you know, in a practice match, you'd have to get a coach in there or something or the extra goalkeeper. Um, no, actually, you don't. You can't. There's only two goalkeepers. What am I saying? Um, it's a weird, weirdly turn, weird tournament. I'm glad it's being broadcasted and well, well deliverable. Uh, that I will say. Um, Thanks. Shout out the Concacaf YouTube channel. Appreciate it. Appreciate you, boys and girls. So I mean, yeah, it's a weird tournament, but I'm just I don't really care. I'm just I'm living through all of those things. I don't really care. But yeah, the fact that there's 48 hours and 20 players limits, it just is a little bit weird. Would love to be able to bring some more guys. The fact that there's VAR in this tournament. Oh, I totally forgot. But not to in the it. Nations League and the Gold Cup. That's craziness, bro. How? 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 I don't know, man. I, I'm this this tournament to me just screams peak Concacaf. Um, not to mention, you know, the quality of opposition is just, you know, not great. It's one of those things where, you know, it's a blessing and a curse. It's a, it's a curse because you can't really evaluate any of these performances, but it's a blessing because, like, look, we should be able to get to this final and we should be able to qualify for the Olympics. And let's not understate how massive it would be to qualify for the Olympics, Samir. There are two times for me that the general American populace, you know, gets exposed to soccer. That's the World Cup and the Olympics. 
if we qualify for the Olympics and then go get a bronze or something like that, I'd be like, wow, that's crazy. People would be like, oh, you know, th- maybe the men are good again. Because they see the women go out and get bronze at the Olympics. And they're like, okay, yeah, women are still good. Cool, cool, cool. How'd the men do? Oh, they didn't qualify? Oh. So, like, grow some stock. Make the Olympics. This is going to be awesome if we make it. So let's go make it. I mean, I just don't. I don't. I mean, that's yeah, that's obviously one point, and that's great. But I just, it's been what? How many Olympics since this team of supposed good young talent hasn't qualified for an Olympics? That's just what I care about more. Like this team just needs that's to true. qualify. I mean, like, it's been, I it's been four now. Four? It's three, is it four. Three. I don't know. Like, come on. Like, that's all. Like, what I really care about is this team has too much talent to not succeed. If they don't succeed, like again, I'm something's up. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, look, I'm excited for the game tonight. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'll be watching, and, and everybody here will, will hopefully be listening to this game saying, damn, Noah and Samir, you guys are really smart for predicting a 4 nothing U.S. win over Canada. And, uh, you know, that, that's what I'm hoping. At this no, the, well, I feel like they'll be more being like, damn, Noah's an idiot. All right. I can't believe he thought that Pax and Aronson wasn't capable of scoring five goals in one game, and we win this game seven one. Unfortunately, we don't keep the shutout. Typical, typical. I feel like it's like somebody's going to score an own goal just to give Canada hope, just to bury him. Like Canada's going to go up one nothing. Antonio Carrera is going to take the ball, roll it in the back of his net, just to be like, "Hey, Canada, you guys have a shot here." And then, boom! You just got Pax and Aronson. Boom! You just got yeah. Caden Clark. Boom! It's going to be. It's going to be. Uh... It's going to be A.O. Akinola's brother. His younger brother is going to score a banger. I love it. I love it. Wild predictions for tonight, Samara, because it's like we're, we're saying it, like genuine predictions. Any, it could be scoreline. It could be random event that you think is going to happen. Just like let's try to look like, like psychics. I mean, I, am, I, I, I already visioned this about last night, like about around 6 o'clock in the morning when I was sleeping. I could tell the time. I woke up right after and engaged the time that I was dreaming of uh, for. But I saw Paxton on the left wing with the ball going one-on-one with an outside back and cutting in and hitting a filthy curler with his right foot. Um, I know he's going, you know, he's ambidextrous. It doesn't matter to him. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm expecting a tough game just because they're still a quality team. They obviously did lose to Cuba, one nothing. But uh, I just, I expect Paxton to play. I expect uh, Carrera to play. I expect Cowell to start. I expect Caden um, Clark to start. And, you know, those are my guys that I expect to really see out there. I would really be hopeful with Brandon Craig. Hopefully that Cuervas needs to start this game. Big, big drop off from, um, I didn't love Holiday last game, but he's not really a going forward kind of right back. I don't so. think Holiday is, I don't think Holiday, Holiday is here because for me, um, Caleb Wiley is not, but yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's a good one. I'm going with a, you know, obviously tight fought game. Marcus Fokranis is going to score a goal off a corner kick. I'm oh yeah, that. I'm feeling it, oh, and and that'll be it. But I'm ready for it. Hope you guys are too. Thank you all so much again for joining us. We had a blast talking uh, talking to U.S. men's national team, U.S. youth national team. We will be back if not next week, then the week after. We're never going to take more than two weeks off because that's kind of lame. We may change up the schedule a little bit moving forward. There are some big changes moving in this space. But Sumer, thanks so much for joining me. It was great to have you on, man. Always. Ciao, ciao, boys. Ciao, boys.